0: some tandem content to what we did yesterday where we got aggressive and we said, okay, trade up, go get all the dudes. We're going to take the opposite tact on the show today, but I want to start with something that I thought was really interesting. So Ben Fennell, who does a great job over at The Athletic, and he works for NFL media and does a ton of the draft prep work. He is the guy that is, you know, going through hours and hours and hours and hours, really weeks of tape of these prospects so that NFL network can put together the cutups. He's watching them, grading them, evaluating them and finding the clips that most quintessentially encapsulate these players. So he knows a thing or two. Because he's seen a thing or two. (laughs) Uh, So he had this great stat that last year, Green Bay led the league in open receiver percentage and in wide open receiver percentage. So three yards is open, five yards is wide open. That means... Matt LaFleur has, is doing an outstanding job, an elite job at creating opportunities for his receivers, that he is making life easy for them and for the quarterback. How does that tie into the offseason? Well, So I want to dive into this receiver conversation. I I want to frame it. I got this question from John from Modesto, California. Hey, Peter, what impact do you think Devin Funches will have on the offense this year? And how do you think it impacts the Packers front office view on their draft strategy? So I don't think Devin Funches impacts the draft strategy one iota. I think he's out there trying to compete to make the roster. He is a similar type to Alan Lazard. He just doesn't block as well. So I don't think it's going to impact how they look at the draft, but I don't think there needs to be the same level of urgency because of the guys already on the roster and the way this offense helps out its skill players. It means a couple things. Number one, it means that um, Marquez Valdez Scantling and Al Nazard's production are in part a result of this offense being wildly efficient. I think it also speaks to just how inconsistent some of the other guys on the roster are, that those are the main guys after Devontae Adams, despite the talents of guys like Equinemius St. Brown and you know Jake Kumro, who's no longer on the team. And that that Malafleur was able to make guys like Malik Taylor useful NFL players speaks to his level of ability. But as we look at this team, there there is still this idea out there that Green Bay needs to allocate significant resources to beefing up the playmakers on this roster. And I don't necessarily disagree from the standpoint of you create so much value when you add, whether it's offensive or defensive, playmakers in the passing game. So, if you affect the passing game, whether you're a quarterback, a pass catcher, a pass blocker, a pass rusher, or a pass coverer, you create more value than anything anyone can do in the run game. That's why those positions are just more valuable. So, there's two sides of this. And I have and will continue to make the case that when you have Devontae Adams, After Adams, what you need is guys who fit roles, who play parts, who have defined skill sets. You don't need to have Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. You don't need that. Now, the Vikings offense needs that a little bit more because even though they're running some similar concepts, they don't, number one, have Aaron Rodgers. They don't, number two, have this offensive line. And they don't, number three, have a receiver as good as, as singularly good as Devontae Adams. So my, my perspective on this is, look, if you can get a run after catch guy, someone who your offense is going to create space for just because the offense does the work already. It's not about just being fast. MVS is fast. Equinem is St. Brown is fast. But the ability to create after the catch is about more than just speed. Debo Samuel ran a nice 40 time coming out of South Carolina. It's not what makes him a great run after catch receiver. Robert Woods didn't run a great 40 time. He's not fast, fast. But he is terrific after the catch. You don't have to be fast, fast to be good after the catch, especially in this offense. Because... The schematic advantages that it can create for you, the angle advantages, and just, you know, creating open space, run to green grass. That's the beauty of this Matt fleur offense. So I think when you look at it, you can say, okay, so then what kind of draft capital do you need to allocate to make a fix there or to be an upgrade there? I don't think it's top dollar. You don't have to pay that high end draft capital to get it done. Now, Ben, and, and we had this back and forth on Twitter yesterday, before I even I was already planning to do this, and so a sort of perfect timing that we um, you know, discussed this with Zach Cruz and some other folks. Ben's perspective is this is an essential role in the Shanahan tree offense, and the fact that the Packers don't have it. Means that they need to find it, and that that means it's okay to allocate top-end draft capital to that position. It was based on the question that Zach Cruz asked, friend of the show, which was, if Green Bay takes a receiver, do you want a more traditional guy or someone who is more of a gadget player? And what he clarified, and I, you know, I, I said, you know, can, let's say more about this. If you just mean a gadget guy, you don't want to spend a first or a second round pick on a gadget guy. But if by gadget guy, you mean, okay, someone who can play everywhere. It's not just, you're not just going to have an ex receiver go out there and try and win one-on-one. He's someone who you want to put in the slot. You want to send in motion, jet sweeps in the backfield. You want to do interesting things and arounds The Debo Samuel role. That's a different kind of idea than someone like DeAndre Hopkins. Or even Devontae Adams, who the Packers use in a lot of interesting ways. But, you know, maybe two, three years ago with Mike McCarthy would not have used in the same kinds of ways. You don't need to find that guy. Now, if you get him and, and there's value there, do that. Someone like Rashad Bateman, to me, who we talked about yesterday on the show and who Brian Gudekinst went to see work out at the uh, Minnesota Pro Day yesterday was there in person, spoke to him. In fact, NFL media cameras caught him doing that. I say I say, caught him like he's doing something wrong. No, that's what he's there to do. Tom Pellicero mentioned that he was there for that. I don't think it's crazy that Green Bay could like a player like Rashad Bateman. A perfect fit. Put him in the slot, put him out wide, jet sweeps, even play him in the backfield, do some interesting things with him, RPO game slants crossing routes, give him an opportunity to go make plays in space. I don't think, you know, I look at that mock draft that I put together yesterday. I don't think Green Bay needs to go up and get the offensive playmaker. If you can do it, great. I don't think they need to do it. I think if you're going to trade up, you do it for a corner or a defensive back if you like, you know, one of the safeties, and we're going to talk about the safeties in a second. You can do that, but I think if you're looking at trading up, it's for a defensive playmaker. You either, you know, you love one of these corners, you think you can get up to get Caleb Farley or Greg Newsome or someone like that. Then, then that's an opportunity to move up. What about? What about moving back? What if you're sitting there, and let's say Greg Newsom goes off the board at 22 at cornerback four. Horn's gone, Farley's gone, Sertain's gone, and now Newsom's gone. And much like last year, you have this secondary cluster of guys that you think are a little bit further down the the way. And you like what you can get on day two. That has to be part of the assumption here. I mentioned yesterday that I think the the way that I view it is I want to get as many top 30 picks as possible. I want to get as many top 50 picks as possible. And I want to get as many top 100 picks as possible. So what about trying to maximize, even in in trade downs, trying to maximize the number of high picks that you can get, even if you're not moving up? That is something that can be done. It is something that teams don't normally do. But the Packers under Ted Thompson, they were constantly trading back. And the Patriots under Bill Belichick, constantly trading back. And guess what? While the Patriots, for example, um, have had some lean years in the draft, they generated more value than anyone else over the last 10 plus years. Green Bay is right there. Bill Barnwell did a study on this. The teams who trade back tend to get the most value because the draft is so volatile. It is so hit or miss. And so more bites at the apple is good. So what could that look like? If the, the draft just a little goes a little haywire above them, we're gonna talk about it next. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, the NHL, they are in full swing. Plus, hey, guess what? You can bet on the draft. The NFL draft is still a thing. And even though it's not a a sporting event in that there are winners and losers, you can still Make some money on it. Award shows, TV shows, reality TV. Bet online has you covered for all of it. Right now, go to their website or use your mobile device and sign up today and get a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. That's right. You go there, you sign up for free, you put some money in, and you use the promo code Locked On. They will match that first deposit up to fifty percent because at Bet Online they are your online sportsbook experts. So I tried to put together a draft as I did yesterday and figure out, okay, what what are we doing here? How can I add some value to this draft? And so I'm, I'm back on PFF and I made some moves. And all of a sudden, instead of having three picks in the top 100, I wound up with five. And I still feel like I got some good value on day three. It took some uh, finagling and it took some giving up of some day three assets to get into day two and to add picks in day two, but I was able to make it work. And what I was able to do is, is try and find teams who either want more picks or have multiple picks, but could could use those picks to move up. So first round, let's say... I actually happened to be in a position in this mock to draft J.C. Horn and decided, well, that sort of defeats the purpose of the mock if I do that. So let me trade back. Let me trade back. And, and I did a trade with the Eagles. So I went from 29 to 37. And I also gave up 135. It's the fourth round pick to get 84 as well, to to bridge that delta between 29 and 37. I go down to 37, and I get a guy, in this case, who I think is a top 20 player in this draft class, someone who can help Green Bay right away, and that is Trayvon Merrick from TCU, the safety. I was watching his tape the other day. He is immediately the best slot corner on this team, and potentially potentially the second best cover player full stop and there are a lot of similarities to darnell savage who was the top graded um, slot player in the big 10 at maryland by pff Merrick is a lot of the same kinds of things he's not as purely athletic as darnell savage but the same kind of versatility, you can play him deep half, deep middle, play him in the slot, play him in the box, he can fit the run, he can do everything for your defense, and if he can play that star position, and he can play deep, then that means Darnell Savage can play that star position, then you have locked down one of those corner spots, and that nickel safety spot, which is going to be a 60-70 type percent proposition. They're going to be on the field a ton, maybe even more than the nickel corner, especially if you get Merrick. And what that means is he can play on the slot. Savage can play on the slot. So Channing Sullivan, number one, maybe you don't need him and you can save a couple million bucks or he's just not on the field and he can be you know, used in those nickel roles He can be used in those dime safety roles and some of the ways that he was so good two years ago. That would be a great pick. And I add 84. I add a day two selection, a top 100 selection. I always wanna maximize my bites at the apple in the top 100. That's what I wanna do. If I were a GM, that would be what I was doing constantly. Let Let me just move back, pick up a day two pick, and I'm good. I'm going to take as many bites at the apple with this as I can, unless I see someone falling who I think there's value. So Justin Jefferson would have been a guy like that. CeeDee Lamb would have been a guy like that. I would have moved up for those guys. I don't know that I would have moved up for Jair Alexander. That was a pretty inspired thing from Brian Gutekinds to do. Now, he clearly moved down um, to 30 with the Saints, knowing that he could and would go back up to get the right guy. I don't know that Jair would have been that guy for me the Packers are right about that. So, okay. As I'm going into the second round, I have a team in mind. I have a team in mind. The Raiders have 70 and 80. Give me those picks. Now, now any, any of these two trades could be done solo. So the Packers could pick at 29 and still trade out of 62 let's say the corner that they like is there and it's newsome or you know what whoever it is and they get that guy at 29 and they're coming up on their pick and they're going you know not thrilled about any of these options and we think we can get a receiver a little bit later who can be that sort of run after catch guy this goes back to our earlier conversation we don't need to spend premium assets on that That could be their perspective. And so what you do instead is you say, okay, let me add another pick. We can address another spot and go from there. That could be Green Bay's perspective. So I move down from 62 to 79. I pick up 80 and I give up the other fourth, 142, and a fifth, 173. So... Okay, I've given up both fourth round picks and a fifth round pick, but who cares? Because I've added two top 100 selections in the process. So now at 79, I get Diami Brown. I mean, imagine if if you're sitting there at 29 and 62 and your first two picks are Merig and Diami, you're in great shape. I was able to do it. Now, again, this is just a mock. But PFF does take into consideration draft value charts and positional value and draft class and all that stuff. So theoretically, they're building in the wisdom of these trades. Now I you know I checked these out by the traditional Jimmy Johnson trade value charts, and and felt like okay I'm getting good value here. I I love to get seventy nine and eighty. So Browns would come in. He could play some of that MVS deep role. So if if there is an injury, let's say, because if if Marquez Vallescalin gets hurt, the 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 Packers receivers are suddenly pretty slow. I mean, they're they're suddenly pretty slow. That's suboptimal. But if you could get someone like Brown, that would offer some insurance on MVS. Plus, put them out there at the same time. You know. If you have Brown, MBS, and Devontae Adams all on the field at once, how our defense is going to play you becomes really difficult. And he can take that underneath route, that little crossing route. You run mesh with him on the crosser, get him in space, and he can go make plays. And he is someone who, you know, he could go as wide receiver four. He could go as wide receiver eight. This is a weird draft and it's going to be about types and it's going to be about preferences and weird things can happen. And if it's not Diami Brown at 79, it could be Elijah Moore or it could be Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, there there are a lot of guys on day two I really like. I do think there's some wisdom in trying to get a pass catcher. Now, we've gone through two picks here. Still no corner. I'm going to get one at 80, right? Wrong. Here's, here's the good part of this. Remember, I traded down, so I have 79, 80, and 84. So at 80, I get Jabril Cox, the linebacker from LSU. Speedy, athletic, can cover. Can play in sub package. Can be your solo dime linebacker. Can be your nickel linebacker. Can be your every down mic. When you're going to play small like the Packers are. Cox could come onto this team and immediately be the most talented linebacker on the roster. Even if I still like Kamel Martin. So now you, you've added two overhang defenders. Potential alley defenders. That's helping, that's helping your run defense. Plus they can both run and cover. They're excellent athletes. You have created so much more. Resistance to your middle of the field defense struggle with tight ends no more struggle with running backs no more these two guys can deal with that plus especially Merrick he can cover receivers in the slot and Cox can be that sort of versatile sideline to sideline pass defense guy who in a heavy zone defense, that's going to mean carrying receivers. It's going to mean carrying move tight ends. It's going to mean doing a lot of things that are not easy that you need these athletic traits to do. So that would be a really good, you know, if Green Bay just stuck, you stick and pick at their top three spots. If you come out of the first three rounds with Merrick, Dayami and Jabril Cox, you're in good shape. Except, except you don't have a corner. You didn't add a high-end talent at corner. This is where the extra pick is so key. And this is really two extra picks, remember? So it's Merrick, it's Brown, it's Cox, the linebacker from LSU. At 84, I get Eric Stokes, the corner from Georgia. And you can say, oh, he's not going to be there. We don't know we don't know. And yeah, he tested really well, but there's not even unanimous approval on him being the best corner on his own team. Tyson Campbell might be that guy. So, there could be a guy if you add some of these picks that you get, you know, on on day 2 who end up being really good. The NFL tends to be really bad At differentiating which guys at which positions are the best. (laughs) I mean, we're a year removed from CeeDee Lamb, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, and Jalen Rager going ahead of Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson, it turns out, is the best player of that group. If only someone had been banging the Justin Jefferson drum. Now that doesn't mean that that's going to continue, and and all of those guys, you know, could continue to get better. You know, if, if C.D. Lamb is the best player this time next year, I'm not going to be surprised. Same with Jerry Judy. But the point is, the more picks that you can grab, the better. And worrying about getting you know cornerback seven versus cornerback four, maybe not the biggest thing in the world. Now cornerback 12 versus cornerback four. That's a pretty big deal because the talent gap is so big. But Stokes, you know, Stokes is, a it could be a, you know, a borderline first round kind of talent for some teams. I think he's a better man corner than zone corner right now. I think he's a press man corner, but the athletic traits are outstanding. He's a playmaker. And I think he's great for a team like Green Bay where he doesn't have to be the alpha. At 92, I got Brady Christensen. I tried to pick some new guys. This is the only overlap player. Um, I I think the third round is probably more likely where he's going to go. I got him in the fourth yesterday. He's going to go on day two. He's, He's too talented. The tape is too good, and his athletic testing was too outstanding. So after that, I have four more picks on day three. That's the great thing about the Packers draft capital right now. You can give up. I mean, I gave up three day three picks and I still have four day three picks. I got Milton Williams from Louisiana Tech defensive lineman. I got Khalil Herbert, the running back from Virginia Tech, who tested better than I expected him to. Not a not a unique kind of skill set athletically, but I think a, a tailor made player for this offense. The Packers like want to They they have made it clear they want to have three running backs that they trust. Jonathan Marshall from Arkansas, the defensive lineman at two twenty, and then Brandon James at two fifty six, a player that they have actually already met with at offensive tackle. I love this draft. I love this draft. This is a great draft. And you're not going to get the high-end blue chip cornerback, but you got a high-end blue chip pass defender in Merrick, a guy that I love, absolutely love. And who could eventually take over for Adrian Amos. They added those those void years to Amos's deal. So he's he's probably not going to be around after this this contract. So if you want a long-term running partner for Darnell Savage, Merrick is it. You get your playmaker to help, if if not this year, next year. And you know, you obviously hope this year. Someone that can be a short term and long term boon. You upgrade a, a, a need position might be a little strong, but because you got Merrick, but Cox is a versatile defender. And and someone who I think is certainly improving your talent level in the box, and then you get your corner, and because it's a it's a top hundred pick, this is a real talent. I mean Stokes was at one point viewed as a, as a kind of first round pick, or or something close to it. So. You're still getting a real talent, someone who you believe can come in and play, if not right away, very soon. And, you know, by the end of the season, someone like that with the physical gifts that he has. I mean, a sub 4340 three forty, a 40-plus inch vertical jump. He's an explosive athlete. You can see it on tape. Easy mover, playmaker. And, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more dog. I'd like to see a little bit more fight. But the athletic gifts. and And for a cornerback, too, That's the other thing. Maybe you don't need to go all out on, uh, you know, adding or, or feeling like you have to prioritize that position. It's a starting position, but it's still a second corner position. So you don't have to feel like you're getting some alpha, you know, Jalen Ramsey type or you say, screw it. No, on day two, you could get a really nice player. There's some really good players who Green Bay is going to be in a position to draft, and even on day three, I mean, Rashawn Bateman was was you know the headliner at the Minnesota Pro Day, but there's a corner there, Benjamin St. Just, who, you know, at six three, ran a sub seven second three cone. I mean, crazy agility for someone his size. He had a really good Senior Bowl week. He's someone who could come in and and you know compete. He could come and come in and compete right away with Kevin King on the boundary. No question. There are a lot of guys who could come in and do that. Maybe you don't need to throw, or or maybe you don't need to press. Maybe you don't need to press, and that's what this draft is about. Take your time, add assets, keep acquiring value and the more bites at the apple in the top 100, the more likely you are to actually hit on someone who can help your football team. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar for a while now. Built Bar is this amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber protein bar, but and and trust me, I didn't believe it at first either until I actually tried them. They taste delicious. Delicious! It is the protein bar that truly does taste like a candy bar. And it is no longer March, but the madness is still here with Built Bar Madness. Go to BuiltBar.com or Built underscore Bar on Twitter and let us know your favorites. We got a bracket going, so go check it out. And a lot of you have tried it. I've heard from a lot of you that, that you're liking them. And that you want new flavors to try. I was just talking to someone about it yesterday. Hey, what's the next flavor I should try? And I gave them my advice. The answer is always coconut brownie. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. All right. We're going to be back next week. I hope everyone has a a good Easter who celebrates a, a good, good Friday and a good Easter. And uh, if you're spending time with family, I hope people are being safe and, and doing the things that they need to do. Please go get vaccinated, wear your mask, do all that good stuff, and we can all have a good summer. That is the goal here. And that means a lot less uh, risk for a lot of people who are